Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. So the one exception to that temperature rule is meat. But think about meat. You don't take a piece of meat out of the fridge and just eat it cold. I mean, you could, but it's not that enjoyable of an eating experience. We want to heat the meat for babies because it liquefies the fat. That liquid acts as a lubricant, which reduces choking risk. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Hey guys, Katie here, talking today all about temperature. Should I serve my baby's food hot, cold, room temperature? Does it even matter? We're going to break down all of the temperature tips that you need to know to offer your baby foods safely. So as I like to do with each episode, I want to start today with a baby led weaning tip of the day. And as you're going to learn, spoiler alert, it actually doesn't matter what temp most of the foods that you offer your baby is do what works for you with a few exceptions, which I'll get to, but meat is the one that I do like to serve to babies on the warmer side, right? Think about a steak, which is kind of a bad example because we actually don't feed steak to babies prior to age one because of the potential for choking hazard. Now, some parents will give it to their baby and you know allow them to suck on it, and that's perfectly fine if you're observing them, but the actual texture of steak is very challenging for babies to eat until they get a tooth or you're really comfortable with them in different textures. But if you took a steak, like let's say you made steak for dinner last night, you put it in the fridge, you're gonna have it today for lunch as a leftover, You don't just take that steak out of the fridge and eat it, right? You would want to heat it back up because obviously it's going to make it taste better. But what happens when you heat it back up is that the fat has solidified when it went in the refrigerator. And when you reheat it, the fat liquefies. And that liquid fat, which is ideal when babies are eating meat because the liquid equates to a lower choking risk for the baby. So we don't want to serve baby dry foods ever, especially dry meats. We choose fattier cuts of meat. And when you reheat them to liquefy that fat again, it makes it easier for the baby to eat that protein food, which is the meat. But of course, it has the fat in there as well. So when it comes to meat, do it a little bit on the warmer side. You may reheat it um, and then allow it to cool to the temperature that's safe to feed the baby. But let's not do cold meats for babies because that could pose a choking hazard. And hang tight because at the end of this episode, I'm going to walk through a couple of other food-related and food safety temperature tips for you guys. So let's go ahead and dive in talking all about temperature and whether we should serve babies food hot, cold, room temp, or does it even matter? 
All right, let's start with frozen foods. We're going to move up the temperature scale from frozen to cold, room temp, hot, and then finish the episode off with some food safety temp tips. Frozen foods. You can serve your baby frozen foods if you want, but you don't have to. Some parents and caregivers have heard, oh, well, if a baby's teething, then they might want colder foods. And as a mom of seven, I have never had a baby like frozen foods whatsoever, but I see your babies out there sometimes doing little frozen popsicles of breast milk. I heard a mom refer to that as a boobsicle the other day, which I thought was cute. Uh, But you could also do just full fat, whole milk, plain yogurt, freeze that into cubes, offer it to your baby. I've definitely tried that with all of my own babies. They hated it. It was almost comical watching them eat it. I mean, it was clearly torturous for them, so I took it away. But some babies like frozen foods, especially if they're teething, it might alleviate some of the discomfort on their gums, but you don't have to do it. Now, cold foods. Again, sometimes parents will say, what about like chilled cucumber strips or chilled celery strips when the baby is teething? First of all, we never feed raw celery to babies. No hard or crispy or crunchy foods for babies under age one. Huge choking hazard. But cucumbers are one that I will do. Especially after the baby has a tooth, I feel more comfortable giving foods like cucumber. You can peel it off if you want to. You can also take, depending upon how compact the seeds are in the cucumber, um, I've even scooped the really compact seeds of certain smaller cucumbers, like the pickling ones or the Persian cucumbers, and actually serve those to baby. Seeds are not a choking hazard, just so you know. Um, It's not one of the first foods that I would feed by any stretch of the imagination. But once your baby's, you know, maybe had 10 or 20 or 30 different foods, if they're teething and you think a little bit of a chilled cucumber might be fun for them to rub their gums with or non, obviously cucumber doesn't have any nutritional value to begin with, but it is a unique, mild taste. You can do just the strips of the seeds if you want, or some parents feel more comfortable cutting the seeds all out, cutting the skin off, and then just giving the baby the strip of the cold cucumber. But you don't need to make major adjustments when your baby is teething. Teething's not like this short, finite period of time thing where you make adjustments and then you go back to normal when teething is done because teething can be an up to three-year process. So we don't want to get in the habit of making major adjustments to the feeding schedule just because the baby is teething. It's oftentimes, it's uncomfortable for them, but it's not going to totally disrupt their ability to try new foods. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, what about room temperature? I do a lot of room temperature foods for babies. Now, I'll generally heat the food up or reheat it in the microwave or on the stovetop or however I'm preparing it and then allow it to cool to room temperature. One note about that is with regards to the microwave. If you do use the microwave to reheat your baby's food, just be aware that microwaves reheat food with hot spots in there. So there's an uneven distribution of heat. So that's why you always like, if it's a puree, you stir it really well after to distribute the heat evenly, but then test a few places in the actual food that you're serving yourself before you serve it to baby, just so that you don't scald the baby's mouth. But I think room temp is a great way to serve many foods. Again, with the exception of meat, we like to see that a little bit on the warmer side. There are certain foods that taste better when they're stored at room temperature. So for example, tomatoes are a good example of that. If you take a tomato and put it in the refrigerator, you kind of take away some of the flavor in the ripening process it may not be as flavorful as if you allow the tomato to, let's say, ripen or to stay on the counter. So if there's a matter of taste, we, of course, want our babies exploring a variety of different tastes as they're learning how to eat. Part of that comes with mixing up the temperature as well. But most foods do very well at 
room temp. We always are concerned about baby's safety. So we don't want to, of course, feed them something that's too hot. Now, when it comes to hot foods, there aren't really any hot foods that we serve our baby, okay? Because again, we're concerned about the potential for scalding the baby's tongue as they're learning how to eat. Parents sometimes will ask about milk. Should I heat the baby's milk, right? At around six months of age, your baby can start learning how to drink out of an open cup. Now, parents are like, well, what do I put in the cup? If this is a new concept to you, we generally start with formula or breast milk because that's a thicker liquid that your baby is used to drinking. We actually refrain from offering water until much later. You see a lot of misinformation out there. Other people saying, oh, start feeding your baby water at six months of age. Absolutely not. If this is news to you, go back and listen to episode number 24. It's all about water, when to offer your baby water, and how much. I will link to that episode in the show notes for this episode as well. You can find all of the links and the resources I'm talking about from today's episode if you go to the show notes, which is at blwpodcast.com forward slash 51. So back to the reheating milk. You might have been in the habit of, let's say, if you have frozen breast milk and you reconstitute it or you're making formula that you would heat it up. Early on, that's fine to do. But I often ask parents, what's your ultimate goal? If your ultimate goal is to transition your baby to cow's milk, drinking out of an open cup at the one-year mark, it's unlikely that you're going to be taking cow's milk out of the fridge and then heating it up to a certain temp to let your baby drink it out of the open cup, right? There's nothing wrong with your baby learning how to drink cold milk before you make the switch to cow's milk. So babies certainly can drink cold milk. Now, some of you have finicky babies and you're like, oh, I know my baby's not going to drink that formula or the breast milk cold. That's fine. Continue to do whatever it was that you're doing. But I would encourage you when you start to offer stuff out of the open cup, try to make it a colder temperature and see if they'll drink it, if they'll drink the breast milk or the formula at that colder temperature. There's nothing wrong with heating it up, but especially as you get closer to that one-year mark, back off of heating the milk up if you don't intend to keep that practice up. Just sounds like a lot of extra work to be heating milk on top of all the foods that you're preparing. All right, so let's talk a little bit about food safety temperature tips. When it comes to temperature and the hot foods, we want to make sure that we're always heating the meats and the protein foods that we're making to the appropriate internal cooking temperature. And the goal there is to ensure that we're killing any potential pathogens before we then serve that food to baby. Okay, so now this is using the FDA's guidelines for safe minimum internal temperatures. And the only way you know if you're getting a safe temperature is if you use a thermometer. Okay, so if you don't have an instant read thermometer in your house, that's something to add to your list to get as you start solid foods. Because you will be offering, if you eat animal foods in your family, foods like ground meat and beef, pork lamb, poultry, eggs, and those need to be cooked to certain temperatures. So with ground meat, this is one we always want to make sure is cooked to 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And ground meat is probably the most important one to ensure you're getting that safe minimum internal temp of 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And the reason why is like, let's say you have a slab of beef, okay, and there's some E. coli that gets on the outside of it. And the butcher or whoever it is grinds the meat up which is then transporting the E. coli from the outside of the steak to the inside of the burger. You throw that burger on the grill, cook it on one side, cook it on the other side, but if it doesn't hit 160 in the middle, that E. coli that has been transferred to the middle of the burger through the meat grinding process will then potentially be harmful to your baby, okay? Now, there's a very low risk, but of course, foodborne illness is a very real risk, and we can help prevent foodborne illness by ensuring that we're cooking, especially our protein foods, to the appropriate minimum internal temps. Sometimes parents will say, well, then how is it okay that you can eat like a rare, rare steak? 
Well, let's say you have that slab of beef, okay, and it's just in the steak form and you don't grind it. There's E. coli on the outside of it. You throw it on the grill, you sear it for a second, you flip it over and you sear it for a second. That sear will kill any of the potential pathogens, okay, because that's not a ground meat product. The ground meat products are certainly higher risk for transferring those potentially harmful pathogens. So again, 160 internal for ground meat. Don't serve your babies medium rare hamburgers. It's not safe. I know they taste better than well done or done, okay? But you can get there when they're a little older. We want to take extreme caution with food safety when our babies are younger. So other internal cook temps to be aware of. The FDA says 165 for poultry products, uh, like even ground poultry, the parts of it, a whole chicken stuffing. A lot of chefs will say if you cook chicken to 165, you've destroyed it, uh, especially chicken breast. I really recommend staying away from chicken breast for your baby. There's no fat in chicken breast. And remember, fat equates to moisture and moisture lowers the choking risk. You're already a little bit nervous when you're feeding your baby meat. Stick to those fattier cuts of meat like legs and wings and thighs. And if you have more questions about feeding your baby meat, go back and listen to episode 19. It's all about meat and how to prepare meat safely for baby led weaning. More tips there about the meat preparation. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties. Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. Okay, another one to be aware of are egg products. I actually get a lot of questions from parents and caregivers about runny yolks. Can you serve runny yolks of the eggs to babies? And my suggestion is when in doubt, leave it out. Okay, we want to cook the eggs until the yolk and the white are firm. Eggs can potentially harbor salmonella and other harmful pathogens. It's rare, but it's a real risk. So I generally will cook the yolk all the way for the baby. I know I personally love runny yolk eggs, but it's something I'll wait until later to do for older children. Um, with the exception being, interestingly enough, at least in North America, in the restaurant setting, you're hard-pressed to find an egg that's not pasteurized, right? Because of litigation and food safety concerns, restaurant operations are always using pasteurized in-shell eggs. So there's no likelihood that that egg is going to make you sick. But the eggs that we get at home, especially if you're doing farm fresh eggs or even the typical ones from the grocery store, those are not pasteurized. Pasteurization is heating a food to a particular temperature in order to kill any potentially harmful pathogens. The eggs that you buy at the grocery store aren't pasteurized. The ones you eat in a restaurant are. If you were going to do runny yolks, I would say that the restaurant ones are probably safer. But again, when in doubt, just cook it until the yolk and the white are firm. All right. And I want to close out today with a feeding temperature tip. Now, I know this is hard for some of you guys to hear, but a best practices recommendation for baby led weaning is not to feed your baby naked. I know you guys do it all the time, but if you were sitting in the same situation as your baby, would you want to have all of your clothes off? Answer the question honestly. If it's super hot and you're sweltering, yeah, being without a shirt is probably ideal. But 
A lot of parents are feeding their babies without any clothes on. It's drafty, it's cold, it's uncomfortable. This can have a negative sensory repercussions on your baby. It could actually cause them to have some negative associations with feeding. Now, I know millions of babies throughout the world have been perfectly fine being fed naked. But if you're on the fence about whether or not to feed your baby naked, it's a better idea not to. If your baby would normally be wearing clothes throughout the day, if you would be wearing clothes when you're eating, then keep the clothes on your baby. Use a full coverage bib as a way to help minimize the mess. The ones that I like are from the brand called Bapron Baby. They're baby led weaning bibs. It's a bib style, but it's kind of designed more like an apron. They tie in the back behind the baby's shoulder blades rather than all up around their neck. So again, increasing or improving rather that sensory experience. Like how do you feel if someone's got something really tight up around your neck and you're trying to learn how to chew and swallow? I prefer the Bapron Baby style because it doesn't choke your baby off. Plus, as they get older... It's nice because they can't untie the bib because it ties behind their shoulder blade. Again, those are called Bapron Baby. And if you go to BapronBaby.com, you can get 10% off all of their Bapron bibs with the code KD10. They also have fabulous splash mats. They have this great material, especially for the Baprons. You just rinse it underneath the faucet and you wring it out. You dry it on the drain board. It's ready for the next meal. You don't have to wash three different bibs a day. I use the same bib for the whole day. So it kind of helps cut down on the laundry, definitely helps cut down on the mess. And there's splash mats that go underneath the high chair made from the same material as the Bapron. Absolutely fabulous. Again, the code is KD10 at BapronBaby.com. And so when you guys are feeding your babies, yes, try to put the clothes on. Do put the bib on them if you can. The full coverage bibs are better. And then a splash mat under the floor if you can. Always clean up that food mess quickly. I recommend not interfering with your baby, not touching your baby, not wiping your baby for the entirety of their 15 or 20 minute meal. I know it's hard, especially for you type A mamas. I know I want to do it myself, but like, how would you feel if you were trying to eat a meal and there's this lady coming at me with the wet wipe again, and I'm just trying to learn how to eat. It's totally invasive and it can lead to negative sensory experiences associated with eating. So sit on your hands, just like you do when they're learning how to gag. Don't wipe your baby during the meal. But the second that meal is over, oh heck yeah. I got to wipe down the baby, wipe down that table, wipe down that chair, because there's nothing worse than dried food to try to clean that up after a baby-led weaning meal, especially yogurt. Yogurt's probably the worst. I don't know. Spaghetti sauce, yogurt, rice, spaghetti noodles, they're all up there. It's all terrible if it's dry. Get it while it's wet. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode all about temperature. Should I serve my baby's food? Hot, cold, room temp. I hope you realize it doesn't really matter with a few exceptions. Make sure you're hitting those minimum internal cooking temps when you're cooking those protein foods. Go for a full coverage bib if you can to get links to all of the references and resources, as well as the other episodes I mentioned here in episode 51, go to the podcast show notes for this episode. Those are at blwpodcast.com forward slash 51. I'm also going to link to my favorite meat thermometer because remember, you cannot eyeball whether or not your proteins are done. You need a meat thermometer to tell you. All right, guys, talk to you next time. Bye now. you find it hard to sleep at night then the calm cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long calm cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires all of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast calm cove is brought to you by the team behind sleep cove the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis meditation and stories.
So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. <laughs>